So I've changed the title of my sermon this morning probably 10 times this week. Um, And what I finally wound up with is faith is living out what we say. We'll see if that takes a change uh, throughout the sermon this morning. We are in the middle of a series on the book of James. And what we have decided to do with this series is rather than go chapter by chapter or verse by verse, just pray each week and ask God, what message is it that you have for the Denton North Church? What message is it that you have for each of us individually? And what message is it ha- that you have for us as a church collectively? And so uh, there might, it might feel like we're skipping around sometimes, but sometimes the spirit just doesn't go in order. So that's what we're doing. Talk is cheap. Put your money where your mouth is. I'd rather see a sermon than hear a sermon any day. Actions speak louder than words. Where did these sayings come from? Well, actions speak louder than words has been around for a very long time. In 1736, there's a work entitled Melancholy State of Province, and this quote is found, actions speak louder than words and are more to be regarded. Further back in 1692, in a book called Will and Doom, it says actions are more significant than words. A few years earlier in the 1500s, French writer Michel de Montaigne is credited with the quote, saying is one thing and doing is another. And then all the way back to the 1200s, St. Francis of Assisi made the following statement, Preach the gospel at all times. Use words if necessary. I don't think any of these people are saying that words are not important. I think the message is that rather words alone don't mean much. It turns out that God agrees with them. Because you can trace those types of phrases back to Matthew 1 John and James, just to name a few of the books in the Bible that talk about that. And so I want to start this morning with Matthew 21, 28 through 32. Jesus is telling a parable, and so he starts by saying, Tell me what you think of this story. A man had two sons. He went up to the first and said, Son, go out for the day and work in the vineyard. The son answered, I don't want to. Later, he thought better of it and went. The father gave the same command to the second son, and he answered, sure, glad to, but he never went. Which of the two sons did what the father asked? They said the first, and Jesus said, yes, and I tell you that crooks and prostitutes are going to precede you into God's kingdom. John came to you showing you the right road, You turned up your noses at him, but the crooks and prostitutes believed him. Even when you saw their changed lives, you didn't care enough to change and believe him. And so in what Jesus said, we see that belief results in action, which is a changed life. To see a changed life is to see the action of faith. A changed life only can occur by belief in God. 
our changed life seems to say a lot about what we believe. So if I wanted to um, bring this parable maybe into the modern day, um, I might say something like, there was a woman who was very lonely. She had two friends who said, call me if I can help in any way. She called the first friend and said, can we go for a walk at the park? I can't, she said. I've been super busy and I'm way too tired. However, later she changed her mind and they went for a walk. Then she called her other friend and asked the same thing. She answered, I would love to go for a walk, but she never showed up. Which of the two helped her friend? As we read and talk about what James has to say about faith today, I want you to ask yourself this question. Who would I be in those stories? Would I be the son that went and did what his father asked? Or would I be the son that said I was going to and then didn't go? Would I be the woman who actually helped her friend, spent time with her when she was lonely? Or would I be the one who said she would and then didn't? Am I a man or woman who lives out what I believe? Am I a man or woman of living faith? I've asked Garvin to read our um, text for today. And Garvin, I'm going to start with a different scripture. It's very short. And then I'm going to let you pick up. And then I'm going to finish with a different scripture. So this is the reference we're reading from. James 1.22, James 2.14-26, and James 4.17. So all of it's coming from James, just so you know where we are. James 1, 22, 2, 14 through 26, and 4, 17. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. I want you to get out your phones and go to DentonNorthChurch.com slash James. There's a couple of pictures we're going to look at here. We're going to look at one of them now, and we'll look at the other one later on in the sermon. DentonNorthChurch.com slash James. It's going to be a minute or two before we look at that, so you can uh, get that up on your phone while I'm talking. Kurt has always called our son Austin our country boy who lives in the city. He comes by it honestly. Um, Kurt was raised most of his life in the country. Both of his parents were. Uh, My parents were both raised in the country. And while we lived in Dallas, we spent a lot of time out in the country. My dad was passed down a piece of property in the country, and we would go and spend time there as well as with my grandparents. Austin's wife, Ronnie, grew up near a small town in East Texas. She lived in a house in the country her entire life. Her grandparents had a house next to them. And when Austin and Ronnie got married, he got the chance to have a little of the country life that he so enjoys. Because they have a lot of land, their house became the gathering place for family and for friends. 
Ronnie has a lot of good memories and a lot of great stories about things that went on at that house and special times there. When she goes there, she speaks of going home, and home is important. About three months ago, she got a call early one morning, the kind of early when you're not really awake yet, so it feels like the middle of the night rather than the morning time. And her dad said, everyone is safe, but the house is on fire. When Austin called to tell us, my immediate question was, how much damage did the fire do? And he said, we don't really know. When he said that, I knew that it was going to be bad because her parents would have said if it was not a total loss. So he and and Ronnie hopped in the car and headed to East Texas. The first picture that you're looking at on that website is what they saw when they drove up. There had been as many as 17 fire trucks there. By the time they got there a couple of hours later, there were still nine there. And because they live in the country, there are no fire hydrants like we have. There's no water to access, and so the trucks carry tanks that are full of water. But if they've had a fire recently, then sometimes all the water in those tanks has already been depleted. They didn't have enough water in the trucks that morning, and so basically all they could do was stand and watch the house burn. With it happening so early in the morning, they were incredibly grateful that no lives were lost and there were no injuries. So I want you to hear that. It didn't change that that was the most important thing. However, soon the reality of having lost their home set in. Their home, the place where the kids grew up, the place where people gathered the place with all the special memories. They lost all their clothes. They lost all their keepsakes, their pictures, their Christmas ornaments, their beds, everything that was in the kitchen, toiletries. Think about things, shampoo, um, curling irons, straightening irons, blow dryers. All the things that you have to live your life um, are gone. Shoes, everything. There were a few things that they were able to salvage, but most everything was a loss. As people near them woke up to the sound of sirens, they came and stood with them. They watched the house burn with them. They hugged them, they cried with them, and they prayed with them. The house smoldered for most of the day, and so they had to stay all day to put out hot spots whenever they would flare up. And as word spread, people stopped by with food, with clothes, with money, and things they knew that they would need immediately. The next day, a GoFundMe was set up for them to cover the expenses that insurance would not cover. Her parents didn't know about it for almost a week. And when they were told about it, They scrolled through and saw the names of the people that had contributed, and there were names of people they didn't know. They were stunned by the generosity of people who both knew them well, as well as the ones they'd never met. It's been a really emotional time for my daughter-in-law. She's been so, so sad. And she and Austin attend East Plano Fellowship, where they're both part of a small group. And Ronnie's small group has been so sweet and kind to her. 
they took up money and they bought a really special gift to show her their love and to give her something to do that's creative and healing in the process. Jesus said, love your neighbor as yourself. When you listen to Ronnie's story, you see the love their neighbors had for them through their actions. Not just their words, although words are important too, but through their actions. Everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. In the same way, faith, if it's not accompanied by action, is dead. If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it's a sin for them. Words couldn't change anything or help anything for Ronnie's family. But words plus actions did create caring for them and provision for them. In the same way as people's actions served and comforted her family, a living faith expresses itself through action. That's not to say that words aren't important. They are. I love you. I care about you. Jesus is Lord of my life. I put my trust in Jesus. God is good. All of those words are powerful and important words. But to be true, there must be action associated with them. So the way I've structured the passage we're going to look at in James this morning is by answering two questions and giving lots of examples of what it looks like to have a faith that is active. So first of all, the first question I have is, what is faith? That is a hard, confusing question when you look at Scripture. Because Paul says in Ephesians, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it's the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. But James says, faith without works is dead. It's an important question, what is faith? Because scripture also says without faith, it's impossible to please God. I would like to submit to you today a very simplified answer to a complicated question. But I believe that scripture is saying faith is belief plus action. Faith is belief plus action. Our actions flow out of our belief, so our faith is our life. It's not defined by what you say or how you feel, but how you live. If you look at Jesus' life, Jesus acted way more than he spoke. His life was his word. You can have action without faith, right? Like you can do things just to do them. You can do them with the wrong motives. Um, Faith cannot be connected to them at all, but you cannot have faith and not find some actions that back that up. While we're not saved by our works, we must carry out in action what we profess with our mouths and in our hearts because even the demons believe, James said. Belief by itself doesn't mean a whole lot. One of the things that I was thinking of when I was thinking through this and trying to come up with a good example, because again, simplified answer for complicated question, is creating something, let's say a painting, 
Me creating a painting does not make me an artist, at least not a good one. (laughs) Actually, even if I did create a painting, it would not make me a good artist. Um, But a good artist creates. It's who they are. It's what they do. We would expect, we would not expect someone to say, yeah, I'm an artist. Oh, good. Well, let me see your work. Oh, I haven't done anything. That's not an artist. Jesus says in Matthew 7, 20, by their fruit, we will recognize them. Living faith is a life of fruitful works. It's back to the changed life that Jesus talked about in the parable of the two brothers. Faith should change our lives. Faith is the unity of believing and doing. And James gives two examples in the passage that we just read. So remember that we talked about the first week when Josh did the introduction to James, that James is writing mostly to Jews who have been converted to Christianity. And if you've been reading through James, and I hope you have, I hope that during this series, that during the summer, you will read the entire book of James as many times as you can and ask the Spirit to speak to you through that. But if you remember back um, to that introduction and you look at these examples, in chapter 2, before this passage that we read today, James talks about favoritism and how God does not use favoritism. He doesn't have favorites. And so the examples he gives here are intentional. He gives Abraham, who was a Jew, and he gives Rahab, who was a Gentile, because he is again going back and making his point. Remember, Jews are not favored over Gentiles. And I point that out because I just think that's really cool. Like, I think it's cool that scripture is continuous like that. It doesn't just leave thoughts that it's talked about before. It brings them into and continues what scripture has been saying. So Abraham, Abraham believed God, and so he was able to obey. It would have been almost impossible for Abraham to place Isaac on the altar if he did not have belief in God. But James said his faith was made complete when he did that, when belief and action worked together. Rahab believed God and she helped his people. It would have been almost impossible for her to lie to the king, to hide the spies, and to help them escape if she didn't have a belief in God. Her belief and her actions worked together to create a living faith, a changed life. Jesus said, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. What is faith? It's belief plus action. They can't be separated. The second question is, what do our actions, what should our actions look like? Like, what does a life of faith look like? And I know this answer is going to shock you. It looks like Jesus. (laughs) That's the simple answer. It looks like Jesus. Genuine living faith produces a Christ-like life. Remember that we also talked about how James um, is tied to the Sermon on the Mount as well as to Proverbs. The Sermon on the Mount 
is where Jesus tells us what a life of faith looks like. Jesus' life then shows us what a life of faith looks like. So he tells us, and then he shows us with his life. So there's a couple of things that I want to share with you about what faith looks like. The first one is more of an attitude, I would say. And it is hands down the most helpful, practical, and important truth I've learned in my walk with God. And it is, it's not about me. A life of faith is not about me. It reminds me that I'm not the center of my life. Jesus is. I'm not the Lord of my life. Jesus is. I'm not the one I'm living to please. Jesus is. Again, the Sermon on the Mount addresses this. So in the Beatitudes, here's what we hear. Blessed are the poor in spirit. It's not about what I own. Blessed are those who mourn. It's not about my comfort. Blessed are the meek. It's not about my power or my strength. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. It's not about what I like to eat. It's not about what pleases me. Blessed are the merciful. It's not about exercising my rights. Blessed are the pure in heart. It's not about getting everything I want. Blessed are the peacemakers. It's not about people liking me. Blessed are you when people persecute you and insult you. It's not even about my safety. Love for enemies, judging others, giving to the needy, all the things Jesus addresses in the Sermon on the Mount scream, it's not about me. In my life, making decisions, where do I live? What kind of work do I do? Who do I want to be friends with? How do I use my time? How do I use my money? Do I forgive? None of it is about me. And so I have to get that right to get those decisions right. Do you get the picture? A life of faith is not about me. It's not what I want to do. It's not about what other people think of me. It's about God. So a life of faith gets up every day and does their best to please God, to do things that matter to him. Those are the actions that should prove our faith, the actions that says we want to please God. And we have to get that straight before we can go on to other things. The second thing is that a life of faith includes the spiritual habits of Jesus. If I say that Jesus is Lord of my life, but I never do the things he did to stay connected to God, then my words don't mean very much. Prayer, solitude, scripture, gratitude, confession, generosity, Sabbath, We say things a lot like, I quit trying to have a daily quiet time because it makes me feel guilty. I stopped worrying about missing church or small group because we don't need to be legalistic about those things. It's not what saves us. 
I don't tithe because we're not bound by the old law. I don't pray much anymore because it's uncomfortable and I don't think it really matters anyway. There's some truth to some of those statements. And I understand the thought behind some of those. But honestly, a lot of the times, we just use those as excuses to do what James is talking about. To try to show our faith without having any good works. A life of faith, a life that's lived like Jesus, includes all of those things and more. Not everyone, every single day. You don't see that in Jesus' life. Not because we have to do them. There is no we have to do this. We're not under a law. We don't have a set of rules that we have to follow. But we are free in Christ. And so we do those things because we can. We do those things out of love for him. We do those things because he did them and we want to be like him. We're not saved by them, but if our faith is alive, we will imitate the life of Jesus and people will see our good works and praise our Father in heaven. Third, a life of faith is practically caring for others. So James also gives the example of suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well-fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? I believe James intended for us to see ourselves in that example. Whenever we encounter a person in need, and James specifically points out orphans, widows, and women, the most vulnerable members of their society— But whenever we encounter a person in need and we pledge to add them to our prayer list, assuring them that God will fulfill their needs, but we do not do what it's in our power to do, that is not faith. Our words about provision, God providing for us, are in fact true. But our faith, if it's expressed only by the words we speak and not by the actions we take, is dead. If we believe that God is God, then we would do what he has given us the ability to do to help other people. God wants us to put our faith into action. Do not hear me wrong. He wants us to pray for people, but he doesn't want us to use prayer as a substitute for action. It's why I think that we see on social media a lot People getting so upset when something happens and people say that they're sending their thoughts and prayers. They see the hypocrisy in claiming to believe God will act, but then is his people refusing to do what he's given us the ability to do, refusing to act ourselves. The message says it this way, isn't it obvious that God talk without God acts is outrageous nonsense? I love that line. Isn't it obvious that God talk without God acts is outrageous nonsense? I told my small group Wednesday night that I was going to have something uh, tattooed. If I ever got a tattoo, that that, this is what I would have tattooed. This is another one of those things that I think it would be great for me to have tattooed on my arm. Isn't it obvious that God talk without God acts is outrageous nonsense? Some 
real life examples of this, I think, are a lot of us want to talk about how we care about people of color or children in foster care or immigrants or poor people or the homeless. And we might even go so far as to change our Facebook status or post something on Facebook um, about how we support those different people. Uh, We might go to a protest. We might put a sign in our yard. And there's nothing wrong with any of those things. All of those things are good, but they are a start. They are not doing something that's actually going to bring about change. My words don't mean anything if they're not translated into action in the lives of real people, people in my sphere of influence. If I have the opportunity to house a child, if I have the opportunity to live in a community that is diverse, or better yet, in a community where I am the minority, to build real friendship with people different from me, to go into their home and have them into mine, If I have the chance to help an immigrant new to my city learn to navigate our language, our roads, our systems, our laws, if I have the opportunity to help a college student who's struggling financially find scholarships, and I don't, that's not really caring. That's not a living faith. If I have the opportunity to give a hungry person food and I don't, that's not Jesus. If I can let someone borrow my car or give them a ride to work, even at three or four o'clock in the morning, and I don't, that's not faith. I could go on and on. And these, all of these things come from me first. They're like, I know these things because they're things I've done or thought. Faith is belief plus action. And ultimately, the question that James is asking is, where is the good news in your life? Where is the good news for your neighbor? It's not just in the words you speak. It's not just in telling them about Jesus. It's showing them Jesus. It's in the works you do. It's in the deeds you do. It's in the actions you do. So let's summarize. What is faith? Faith is belief plus action. Remember, simplified version. It's more complicated than that, but we've got to talk about it some way. What does a life of faith look like? Jesus. It's not about me. It should include the spiritual habits of Jesus. And it should include caring for other people. So back to my original question. Which person are you in the parable Jesus told Are you a man or woman who lives out what you speak? Are you a man or woman of faith? If the answer is yes, good. Then do that more and more. If the answer is no, then good. Let God's kindness lead you to repentance. In our small group Wednesday night, we read the Sermon on the Mount out loud. And Adam made the comment that trying to live it out is overwhelming. That it's so easy just to hear what Jesus says and look at all the areas that we mess up and fall short. But here's the good news. We do not have to make it happen by ourselves. 
God is with us. His Holy Spirit lives in us, empowers us, and transforms us. We sang about that in some of the songs we sang before we started this. The challenge I would give you is to read the Sermon on the Mount this week. It's Matthew chapters 5 through 7. And ask God to teach you how to live out what you say you believe. Ask him to point out the areas you need to improve. Ask him for the areas you may just be wanting to say you have faith, but your actions don't show it. Okay, so back to the pictures. So underneath the picture of the house still smoldering, there's another picture. Look at that picture. This was taken a few weeks after the fire. Ronnie's mom took it. And when she shared it with me, I immediately thought of Lamentations 3. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. When I look out that window, I'm reminded of James's words. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when you face trials of many kinds, because you know that your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Let perseverance give you a living faith. I'm reminded with that picture that our God calls us to an active faith because he is a God of action. He is not just a God of words. The unchanging character of God is seen looking out that window with all the ashes around, with the burned things that you see there, with the walls that you see have fallen on either side of the window, and seeing the lush green beauty in the midst of the ashes. It's as beautiful out that window as it is every single year. And our God is that beauty. That's why we can consider it pure joy. Because we always have our God. He can't be taken from us. And he shows his love for us with his actions. He doesn't just tell us. He shows us through his people. Like the ones that served Ronnie's family. He told Israel, be a blessing to the nations. He tells us to be a blessing to our co-workers, our students, our neighbors, our classmates, our families. And he tells us to do it not by what we say, but what we do. And just as he tells us to bless others, he blesses us by what he did at the cross. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. Jesus is a God of action. He didn't just tell us he loved us. He showed us his love, and he continues to show us his love. As we take communion together this morning, Um, I think most of you already have it, but if you don't, there's still some on the back table back there. But as we take communion together this morning, thank Jesus that he is a God of action. 
Thank him for the actions he took on the cross to show his love for us. And thank him that he is able to use us to be people of action, to be a living faith to the people around us. So I'm going to pray, and then we're going to take communion together. Don, are you doing a prayer? Okay. And then Don will close us out. God, let us be people of faith, real living faith, people who speak and act in the way that Jesus did. Forgive us when we are tempted to just say something and not do anything about it. Help us to be people that care for others well. Remind us that it's not about us, that it's about you. And that our concern is with pleasing you, not with other people, and certainly not with pleasing ourselves. I pray, God, that your spirit would transform us, that your spirit would work through his power to make us people who love deeply and care deeply. And God, thank you that you're a God of action. Thank you for the beauty we can see in the ashes. And I pray that as we take communion together this morning, God, that we would be united in our love for you and in our desire to have a living faith like Jesus did. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us for our sermon podcast. We would love for you to join us on Sunday morning or in one of our small groups during the week. And you can get more information about that at DentonNorthChurch.com.